two. Whoops. Can you guys see that? Okay. All right. Ephesians 2. And uh, what we're going to do this morning is continue our uh, study on the issue of the glory plan. And we're going to go back to in the beginning. And uh, honestly, we're going to go back. We're going to look at some things here this morning. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace to his kindness, I'm sorry, in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. And, and I want to go back. We've been talking about the glory plan and the Father's plan, and, and I gave you some titles and everything. And I, I just want to take us back now to, to the beginning. And in doing that, so that we know where, uh, so we get an idea of the plan and of the picture and everything that's happened. If you come over to chapter 1 of Ephesians, this is where we really kind of started last time. In verse 15, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And that issue of having some wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And, and in doing that, that we're able to, to, to go and to see and to do and to understand. Uh, come over to chapter 3 uh, of, of Ephesians, chapter 3. And a pat, just kind of get us started here. By the way, I forgot to read my note to say hello to everyone online. Glad you're here. There's a giving button somewhere on the website you can give, okay? So just because you're out doesn't mean you, got, you know, we let you off that hook, all right? So I said that anyway. All right, Ephesians 3, notice here in verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. So Paul would have us come over to Colossians chapter 1. By the way, we're going to go quickly this morning because uh, we've got a, really a lot of ground that I'd like to get covered. But when Paul begins and we talk about the program and we're going to go back to the beginning here, Paul begins to talk about and to use and to look at some things. And he says, I want you to comprehend. I want you to have some wisdom, some understanding, some knowledge about some things here, about really what, where we are going, okay? I want you to know where we, where, I, I want you to know where you're at, but you need to know where we're going, that future. Colossians 1, verse 9 here, for this cause we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the wisdom of his will and all, I'm sorry, with, be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's an issue of increasing we learn, we grow, we're walking, we're walking worthy, but we're increasing. We're gaining more and more information, more and more knowledge. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul lays down something very interesting about the heavenly places. And, and, and he begins to talk about this, and we're talking about the heavens. And, we're, and, I, and again, I want to take us and I want us to see the beginning of the plan and where it all kind of gels from. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writes, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ after 14 years, about above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Notice the Apostle Paul talking about himself. He's caught up into the third heaven. He's caught up into paradise. He hears some information. But he says, hey, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. So moving from this realm into the next realm is not going to be a shock to the system. It's go, you're going to be very familiar with it. It's going to be something that you're going to go, whoa, look at that. When we get done, we can take a peek at what heaven looks like and what's go, going on up there. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be a shock to the system. There's a familiarity about it. And that's because when you come back to Genesis 1 and you begin to look at the beginning, Genesis 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and he begins to create, and he begins to look at some things, and he begins to set some things up, that you know what, Paul, Paul is going to reach back into that and say, that's what we're, we're going to fit now. So there's some things here about the beginning that we'll need to pay attention to. You'll notice in, verse, in Genesis 1, in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Then there's some, there's some dividing up of some things, verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters from the water, from, uh, um, <coughs> divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Look over at verse 14. Verse 14. <clears throat> and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Notice there's some lights that he's going to decorate the heaven out there, that firmament. This is on the fourth day, verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open 
firmament of heaven. So now we have an open firmament. So we have a firmament that's closed off that's going to house some lights. If you look at verse 14 very carefully, and let them be for signs and for season and for days and years. Those lights were, had a design about them. They, they had a thing that they, were going to, that they were going to come and to do. And then he says in verse 20, we're going to have a, a, an open firmament where the fowls of the air are going to fly and where man's going to live. On, and we're going to call that, that firmament there, that first heaven around the earth. Um, come over to Psalms, <clears throat> 100 and, uh, I think it's 145, but let me look real quick. Uh, Psalms, 100 and, 115, let's do that one. Psalms 115, verse 15 and 16. 100 and, Psalms 115, Verse 15 and 16. And I'm headed somewhere. Just kind of stay with me here, okay? <laughs> ye are, uh, Psalms 115, verse 15. Ye are, the, ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of Israel. Notice something there. It's 115, not 145. The children of men. What, I don't know what I said. Israel. Okay. Israel men. Come on. Half of one, three of another. I'm getting old. I'll be 50 next month. Come on. March, April. Yeah. Next. See, I have to figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, April comes after March. Okay. All right. Look over at Acts chapter 17. So the board's wrong. Look at that. Made, found my first mistake this morning. Look at over at Acts 17. I don't know the way it's going. Acts 17. <clears throat> Acts 17. You start in verse 23. Paul's on Mars Hill. Just drop down for time's sake, verse 26. Acts 17, 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. Notice the bounds, boundaries, okay? And <clears throat> what's going to happen here, come back over to... Um, Come back there to Genesis, but probably need to stop in Ezekiel. Let's stop in Ezekiel 28. <clears throat> so what's going to happen is in the creation, okay, you've got a water above. If we draw out Genesis 1, all right, you've got a firmament that's up here that's closed off from man. You've got earth in the middle, okay? And then he's going to, he puts stars and he, he decorates that starry sky with lights. They're for signs and therefore they're, they're for seasons and days and years. We call that the zodiac. We're going to look here in a minute about some passages about that. And he begins to 
to put in some things, but here in the earth, he said, that's going to belong to man. <clears throat> then something happened that caused God... Come back there to Genesis 1. Just let Ezekiel go. I'm trying to figure out how, far, how much of this to, to dance with you on. <clears throat> Come over to... You got Genesis 1? All right, look at verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. You see that phrase, without form and void? That's a phrase quoted over in Jeremiah 4 about the second coming, about judgment. God created everything, and then there was a judgment that he placed on it. He flooded it. Okay, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep water. He flooded the, the creation, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The, the judgment that he places, come over to Psalm 74. Psalms chapter 74 was because of Satan. That's, that's the passage there in Ezekiel. He, he fell. Iniquity got him. So he falls. He's cast out. Uh, of where he is supposed to be and who he's supposed to be. Matthew 25 says that hell was developed for the devil and his angels. He, so there's a, there is a, a, a rebellion in the creation, a rebellion in the angelic host. And God stops it. He stops it by creating hell, but then he's got to do something with creation. Notice Psalm 74. Notice verse 15. Okay? Thou didst cleave the foundations and the flood. Thou driedest up mighty rivers. The day is thine, the night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people hath blasphemed thy name. Notice that issue again there about borders and boundaries. And what the Lord literally does, you're in Psalms, come on over to, to um, uh, Proverbs, I believe it is. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3. Did my, there it is. And look at verse 19 and 20. Proverbs 3.19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens, by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down. The he has a plan, there's been a rebellion and he contains, he puts a container around the rebellion. He closes off the rebellion. Then he goes in, Genesis 1, and he begins to create. And when he separates out the waters beneath and the waters above, and he creates this firmament that's a closed off, by the way, he calls that heaven, doesn't he? And he says, hey, we're going to call this heaven. We're going to have the sun. We're going to have all of this going on. And he creates this container to contain sin, to contain the rebellion. Now, the interesting thing, what shape is that? It's a ugly-looking rectangle, right? Well, when you think about shapes 
in the Bible. Come over, come back to Genesis 6. Genesis chapter 6. Are you, you guys with me? I, I kind of stumbled getting going here. My brain's a little foggy and my head's not working right either. So, Genesis 6. Look at Genesis 6 and look at verse 14. The Lord tells Noah, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. So, what are we going to make? An ark, right? What are the dimensions? Verse 15, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's going to be 300 cubits long. How, long, how wide is it going to be? And the breadth of it, 50. What does that look like? A rectangle. Okay. Come over to Exodus 25. It's interesting to me that when you think about shapes and when God instructs men to make something, that guess what it looks like most of the time? A rectangle. Exodus, look at Exodus 25. Exodus 25. Notice, if you will, verse number 10. Exodus 25, 10. He's going to make the ark, the ark of the covenant. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length and the breadth of thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. So if we're going to go two and a half, and we're going to go one and a half, what's that look like? Looks like a rectangle to me. Okay, chapter 25, drop back up there at verse number 8. He says, and let, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So we're going to make the tabernacle. He's going to give Moses the tabernacle according to all that I show thee. After, now watch, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make. He's going to give... Moses a pattern of a tabernacle to make and hold on to Exodus and run back to me with me to Hebrews chapter number 8 and this is important that you see this for what we're going to be talking about here in a minute At Hebrews chapter 8 so he is to make Moses is to make the tabernacle after the pattern of the tabernacle Hebrews 8 Verse number 5, Hebrews 8, 5. Who serve under the example and the shadow of heavenly things. See that shadow of heavenly things? As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou makest all these things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. Isn't that interesting? Verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not men. Moses is going to make the tabernacle after the pattern of, of what? The heavenly tabernacle. Okay, you with me? Chapter 9, Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9 and verse 2. 
For there, for there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick, and the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the God. So there's the, there's the furniture. Candlestick, showbread, table, Ark of the Covenant, and incense. Verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. That would be tabernacle made by Moses, right? Which are the figures of the true, but unto heaven itself and now to appear in the presence of God for us. So when, go back to Exodus now. And go back to Exodus 27. So when God told Moses, make the tabernacle, it's going to be patterned after what? The heavenly one, right? So he tells Moses to do something. Exodus 27, he begins to give Moses all of the details, okay? And he tells him what's going to be hanging out there and what animals to go skin and do all of this. Verse number 9. 27, 9. <clears throat> and thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle for the south side, south side southward. There shall be hangings of the court of fine linen, okay, of a hundred cubits long for one side. And the twenty pillars thereof and the twenty sockets shall be of brass and the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. Likewise for the north side, the length thereof shall be a hundred cubits long and his twenty pillars and their twenty pillars uh, 20 sockets of brass and hooks of pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the breadth of the court, the west side shall be 50 hangings of 50 cubits. I'm sorry, shall be hangings of 50 cubits, their pillars 10, their sockets 10. And the breadth of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits and the hanging of one side. Do you see that court? See how big that thing is? But do you see the detail given? What do we have? We got 100 by 50, don't we? As he begins to lay that out. Verse, chapter 27, verse 1, there's going to be an altar, and it's a five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall, measure, shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. So we got a five by five on that brazen altar. This is important, okay? Chapter 25, there we saw the Ark of the Covenant, didn't we? If you look there at verse 23, Thou shalt make a table of shittim wood, two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit the height and a half the height thereof. So now you got a two by, you know, you got a two, two and a half. You got all this dimensions, all this specific stuff. You got five by five, you got a hundred by fifty, you got a two and a half by one. You got all these dimensions. They're all rectangular in appearance. So when you think about the universe, the adversary has fallen. He he's, sits over 
the cherub that covers, he's called, up in that third heaven. He rebels. What does God the Father do then? There's judgment. Without form and void, judgment happens. And he does what? He contains the rebellion. He floods it. He creates a container, okay, around what we call our universe. He then comes in, he floods it with water, he separates out the water with a frozen face, and he says, we're going to call this firmament, by the way, this is going to be the second heaven, there's going to be an open firmament around the earth, we're going to call that the first heaven. And I'm going to dot all of that up there with, with stars. And they're going to be for signs and wonders and signs and seasons and years. They're going to communicate. Come on over to Job 38. They're going to communicate my word, my will to creation. They're going to come along and they're going to communicate some things that I'm going to want done and some things that are going to need to be taken care of. Okay? You, you, you follow what's going on here. By the way, there is more information in the book of Job and in the book of Psalms on creation and what God created than ever is in Genesis 1 to 6. I, I got an email from a gentleman. I haven't responded to him yet. because I just haven't had the time being sick and all. And, and he talks about the sons of God there in Genesis 6 visiting the man and so forth. He, he missed a passage in Jude. We're going to look at it here in a minute and so forth. And there's some things that are going on that are happening there that you have to get out of Genesis to go get the answer for. You read about it. Job, oldest book written, first book ever written. So when Moses writes Genesis, he's got the book of Job on the table. Look at Job 38. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Boy, that's a great question. You think about today and the pandemic and all this stuff. Darken counsel without knowledge, <laughs> you know. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. By the way, when he says gird up the loins like a man, he's not telling Job, grow up. Quit being a sissy. Don't be a snowflake. He's not saying that. He's like, Job... I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer me the way man would answer. I want th these questions are for you as man to answer. Where was thou, verse 4, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Notice all the building terminology. Pillars, foundations, cornerstones, measures. Verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as it hath issued out of the womb. Where were you, Job, when I created? Where was man at when I created all of this? They weren't there. The morning star, I love that, the morning stars. What was Lucifer's name? Oh, son of the morning. 
the sons of God. Those are angels here. The angelic host is there. Hold on to 38 and come back to Job 9. Job chapter 9. Just kind of tiptoe through Job here for a minute. Job 9. It's a fascinating study when you get into this back here because of you and I are playing, we are part of this. They just don't know it yet it, because the body of Christ is a secret. It's a mystery. But all of this involves you and I for what we're going to be doing in the heavenly places. We're replacing all of this. Job 9, look at verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is of a truth, how, but how shall man be just with God? Boy, that is the question, isn't it? How do you get saved? How's a man going to be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered. Man, who has ever gone up against God and won? You can't make God do something he's not doing a day in your life. Why? Because he's God. Which removeth the mountains, and they know not. Which overturneth them in his anger. Which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble. Which commanded the sea, I'm sorry, the sun, and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars. Which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea? Which maketh Arturus, Orion, Pleiades, and the chambers of the south? Um, Arturus there, that's the Big Dipper. Orion, you know who that is. Pleiades, the chambers of the south, which doth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Boy, what is he doing? He, who, God, the creator went in there, and he begins to create things, and he begins to put things out there that are going to communicate that he is the creator. Chapter 27, I'm 26 of Job. Chapter 26. What did Satan do? What did Lucifer do? He got a little pride, fell, didn't he? He's out there, he's the cherub that covereth. He's that fifth cherub. He's over all this. He sees all this going on, and he gets a little jealous. He looks at his own beauty. He's look, I mean, could you think, imagine, he's looking down at the throne room of God, and, and the throne room, the floor of the throne room is as a sea of glass. It's a, it's a mirror. And he's looking back up and he sees his beauty. And he says, man, I'm somebody. Look at that. Boy, I'm a good-looking guy. You know, I'm Fabio. <laughs> For you older or younger people, it's a guy, you just Google him. You'll be okay. You know, I'm a heartthrob. There you go. Yes, you are, Greg. Okay. And what happens? Pride got him. Iniquity got him. Job 26, you found it now, I hope. Verse 1, but Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? To whom hast thou uttered words? And whose spirit come from thee? 
All of those questions have to do with human philosophy. Job's three buddies are the three major, represent the three major philosophies of human viewpoint. And he's, he's asking questions. When did you give me wisdom? When did you ever, you know, you never helped me. Verse 5, dead things are formed from under the water and inhabitants thereof. Hell, hell is naked before him and destruction hath no covering. He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his roof. What did he do? He put a bound around it all, didn't he? Moved his throne room and put a, put a, can't get to me in the way. You see, folks, come over to chapter 37. The Lord's doing something here. The creator, chapter 37, if you look at verse 18, Hast thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong, and as a molten looking glass, a mirror? If you look at verse 10, of third, chapter 37, And by the breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. God breathed across the, the, the face of that water, and it froze it. Solid. And he says it's as a molten looking glass. Chapter 38 of Job again and verse 30. 38 and verse 30. The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. He's set it away. You can't get to the third heaven now. You can't get there. Now, through the water, there's, there's doors and there's passageways. But you can't get there anymore. He's moved outside of the container. He's moved away, but yet he's doing stuff in it and inside of it. Look over with me to chapter 26 again of Job. Job 26. Job 26. All this is introduction, by the way. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not really, but it is. <laughs> Yes, we're getting there. Job 26, look at verse 9. He hath bounded the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. See this thing about clouds, by the way? You and I, when the rapture, we're caught up and we meet the Lord in the clouds, in the air. Okay? And a lot of times people say, oh, those are the angels. They'll be there, but this, this is this cloud there's a, there's a cloud that's going to hide that glory of the Lord that we're going to get to enjoy. And as man sits on earth and looks up, it's going to be like those rainy, those, we had that rain last week, and that old dark cloud come over and it's angry looking and it just dumps. That's what it's going to look like. Verse 20, chapter 26, verse 10. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the, until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven trembled and are astonished at his reproof. 
Amos 9, he talks about stories that he's built up in heaven, structures. He divided the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth upon uh, uh, through the proud. But his spirit, by his spirit, he hath, notice, garnished the heavens. His hand had formed the what? The crooked serpent. Remember about that old Leviathan in the sea? A lot of this stuff begin to click. So what does he do? Well, he put that thing up there, didn't he? He put that bound around it. Now, real quick, if you're with me, remember that thing about the tabernacle? The lake of fire sits outside here, okay? sits outside. Hell is in the center of the earth, but the lake of fire sits out. Okay? Now let's think about the tabernacle just real quickly. In the tabernacle, there's a brazen altar. And then there's a doorway. There's a, and, that, and there's a, a, a laver to wash in that sits right there. Okay? Let's make it up. Let's make it match. All right? What's the next place in the, in the tabernacle? They wash. They come in through the door. And it's the holy place, isn't it? There's the earth. What's in the holy place? The showbread. The candlestick. There's another veil that sits... They go in, and there's the incense where they burn, right? You with me? And then they go to the Holy of Holies. That tabernacle given to Moses mirrors and pictures what he's done in the universe at every turn. Now, we just did that without running all the verses, okay? But you can do that. You can do it all day long. Now come back with me to Genesis 1. All right? I'll tell you what, I'm not a mathematician, as you can tell, over the years. But if you were, you could sit with the book and you could literally figure out the dimensions of our universe. If this is a molting looking glass, it's all frozen, 1 Peter talks about, when they shoot that my, uh, telescope out there and they shoot that beam of light to figure out how far light is, what happens when you shoot something in a mirror, a, a red dot in a mirror? It bounces, doesn't it? I'll be honest with you, I, 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 and this is just my imagination, okay, that when they shoot that thing out there and they say that the universe is 50 billion light years, you know, whatever the size, that they're just seeing that reflection bouncing around out there. Again, that's just me, okay? It is rather large, don't get me wrong. But you could figure that out. You can. Now, go back to Genesis 1. Because I want to talk about us. All right? But you got to understand why that container is there. The container is there because of Satan and the rebellion. 
and then God goes to work in it. Genesis 1, verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. The lights. Hold on to Genesis 1 here and run back to Job. I should have had you stay in Job. I'm sorry. Job 38. Again. I'm telling you folks, you spend more time in Job talking about creation than you do in Genesis. He made lights. He's got a greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars. And he sets them up there in the firmaments, the lights. Job 38. 38 verse 1. Again, where were you when I laid all this out, right? Verse 7. <clears throat> verse 7. Who's there? The morning stars and the sons of God. The angels are there. They're already created. They're watching God create. Come over to, hold on to Job 38, but come over to Psalms 33. Psalms chapter 33. You see, folks, the stuff just, it, it just, it, I'm cutting out about eight references we can keep looking at because of the clock, and I don't want to lose your attention. Psalms 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. They're all there. Job 38, 7, they sing and they shout. The sons of God, the angels, they're all there. They're singing, they're shouting. You know what they're doing? What did he do? He turned the lights on. They can see what he's doing on day one. He turned the light on. And they're rejoicing and they're giving glory to the Creator. Now notice in Genesis 1.14 the purpose. The purpose of them, it, it, of the lights, is for signs and seasons and for days and years. They're there for a purpose. The signs. The zodiac, we call it. Masteroff is what is its name. Come over with me to, to um, oh man, where to go? Jeremiah 10. Start there. Jeremiah 10. Jeremiah 10, verse 2. You see, folks, all of that stuff out there, we know that Satan's polluted it, and it gets a, you know, your horoscope and all that stuff. And not, but when you step back and look at Scripture, they're there for a reason. Jeremiah 10, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Isn't that interesting? The signs in Jeremiah 10, 2. Look over with me to Psalms. This is that long list down there. Psalms 147. Because they have names. We've already seen Orion and Pleiades. Psalms 147 and verse 4. Psalms 147 verse 4. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. He's named them all. Come over to Isaiah 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. 
Isaiah 40 and verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he is strong in power, not one that fit. He calls them by name. Chapter 13 of Isaiah. Chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 10. Chapter 13, verse 10. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Isn't that interesting? The constellations of heaven. Come back with me to Job, chapter 9. Job, chapter 9. Job 9. You knew we'd get back in Job, didn't you? Job 9 and verse 9, we already saw. What do we have? Which maketh Arturus, Orion, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. Come over to 38, Job 38. Because we didn't keep reading in 38. Job 38, 31. Canst thou bind the sweet influences? Notice, the sweet what? Influence. Did I lose you, Job 38? Okay. 38, 31. Canst thou bind the sweet what? Influences of Pelides. Or loose the bands of Orion. Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arturus with his sons? Big Dipper, Little Dipper, all that's going on there. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Maseroth, that zodiac, the twelve. They have a function. Come over to 2 Kings. Back to 2 Kings, I should say. 23. You see, folks... All this stuff that God did, 2 Kings 23, He did it for a reason. He did it to accomplish something. Jeremiah, I'm sorry, 2 Kings 23, verse number 5, he, he's, there's, a, there's issues here that he's dealing with. And he put down the idolatrous priests, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the city of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the host of heaven. Isn't that interesting? Now come over with me to Psalms 119. 119. And verse number 89. In the starry sky out there, the zodiac, the Maseroth, all of that that he created. Look at Psalms 119, verse 89 now. A verse that we use about the Word of God and so forth. But think about it this way Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled where? In heaven. Where's it settled? 
Not on the earth, but in heaven, right? But what did he do out here in the heaven? He decorated those lights, didn't he? In the heaven. Psalms 119, 89. What was he doing in those lights? He's putting his word in those lights. Now come back to Job 25. Come over to Job 25. He sits there and he says, hey, we're gonna, they're going to be for a sign, and they're going to be for seasons and years, and we're going to use this to communicate my word, what I want the earth to be doing. I'm going to use this and communicate it out to them. Matthew 25. I'm sorry, Job 25. <laughs> Matthew 25 won't work. Okay, just checking. Thanks. Well, it helps to hit the right one. There we go. Whoops. Job 25. Now notice verse number 5. Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not what? Uh-oh. Something happened, didn't it? Now those heavenly places out there are not what? Pure in his sight. They start out pure. He's using them to communicate and do and to, and to give the signs and the seasons and, and the things for the earth and how things are going to... But now because of the rebellion, what's happened? They are no longer pure. No longer is his word settled in the heavens out there in those stars. No longer... Are those things pure any longer in his sight? Come back over to Psalms. Actually, you know what? Run to Romans 1, just real quick. This, this thing just, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and I try not to make it big. <clears throat> but look at Romans 1. I, there's just something here, folks. If the star, if that message system is no longer pure, it's been corrupted. What does Satan try to do with the word of God? Corrupt it. Psalms 12, there he talks about the word of the Lord's purified seven, you know, the seven times and so forth and all that. It's pure, isn't it? But now it's corrupted. You ever wonder why God told Job or told Moses to write a book? Because his original communication plan had been corrupted. It's been interrupted now. I can't use that out there, so let's write it in a book. Let's get it down here where man can understand. Have you ever wondered how Noah knew what to do? How Noah understood? I mean, I know the Lord talked to him, but how they understood the timing of everything? Anyway, look at Romans 1. Look at verse 19. Romans 1, 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are what? Clearly seen. Doesn't he use creation to hold man without excuse? Yeah. So when you come back here, come back to Psalms 8, there are some things here about that heavens out there. That What's he going to do with you and I? He's going to populate us out there where? In these heavenly places, isn't he? 
I wondered if this would get too deep for you. I don't know. I'm trying to keep it on the shallow end of the pool. You've got to think about this. Bible study is wonderful, folks. Psalms 8. Look at verse 1. O Lord, your Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above. Why in the world would he have to move his glory out of here and set it up there? It's been polluted. Verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of? I mean, when you think about the Creator, <laughs> chapter 19 of Psalms. Boy, he just does this all through Psalms, 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day and day, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. See how day, when, when did he create day? First day. And what's it doing? It's speaking, and the night is speaking knowledge. The day uttereth speech. Speech about who? The Creator. Night, going to give you some knowledge about the Creator. There is no speech nor language where their, where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. No, look at that. Look at what he did. He took the day. The sun's going to rule the day. And he says, it's going to send a message out there. He's going to speak. The word of God starts in those heavens. And then it begins to move out. And then all of a sudden, Lucifer shows up pollutes the mess, and God says, that's okay. We're just going to write a book. We'll just come down here and move down here with man. He's my guy anyway. And I got the plan, exactly. Come over to, well, you're in 19. Oh, man. Look at verse 6. His going forth is from the end of heaven and is circuit under the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat there. I mean, look, the sun's the main. Whoa, wow, look at what's going on. All right, look over to chapter 36. I'll get off that. We'll get moving here. We've got to wrap this up anyway. 36. Psalms 36. Again, this is all in the beginning. We're just laying this in for you. We'll talk about some of this next week, some more. 36 verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. His mercy is seen where? In the heavens. Chapter 50 of Psalms. Quickly, 50. Verse number 4. 50 and verse 4. He shall call to the heavens from above, and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. Man, he says, I'm up here, and I'm going to call down all of that I had set in to judge my people. 
Second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, oh man, wait till you see this. Woo! He's going to come out of heaven's glory. He's going to catch the body of Christ, and we're going to meet in the air in this second universe. And he's going to get us all set. He's going to take us up, present us to the Father. He's going to come down, and there's going to be war in heaven, Revelation 12 says. And he's going to clean out all that rebellion. He's going to roll up the sky and shake out the stuff he doesn't need. And he's going to set it back, and then he's going to go to the earth in his second coming, and he's going to get rid of the adversary. He's going to take all of that and cast it down here into the lake of fire. Moses tells Israel, don't you make idols of things in the heaven, things on the earth, and things in the water below the earth. You ever wondered in Jude there where he's got the angels that left their first estate? They messed with the man there in Genesis 6, and they're stuck down here and waters, and chains of darkness. Told you, this gets big. Chapter 102, Psalms 102. I know you've been sitting a while. You didn't have anywhere to go anyway. You're supposed to be social, what is that called? Social distancing. 102, verse 25. 102, 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. 104, cross the page, 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the water, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels, spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. And on and on you can go. 108, turn the page, Psalms 108, verse 4, For, the mercy, for thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. And on and on and on we could go. You see, folks, come back to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. When Paul says in verse number 6, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When Paul says that, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. When Paul says that, he says, man, back here in the beginning, God had established his word to be on display in that heavenly post. It's, it's not pure. It's been polluted. It's been defamed, tainted. It's no longer the message center. So he wrote a book. And in that book, you know what he did? He kept a secret. Now you think about us. We are before the foundation of the world. So he already had the plan, didn't he? He knew what was going to happen. He says, that's okay. Relax, guys. 
I got it covered. And he says, hey, with you, the church, the body of Christ, you know what you're going to do in those heavenly places out there? That's this stuff here. You're going to put on display my word, my grace. And through you, now the book doesn't go anywhere. The book has always been the plan, okay? But now what's going to happen is you guys are going to show forth the exceeding riches of my grace. You're going to be my shining lights on the hill, if you will. Okay? So, see, part of the Father's plan started in Genesis 1 on the very first day. And he lays it out. Now, we're going to keep talking about it and move along. There's an issue about the sons of God we're going to talk about next time so you can see it, okay? Just time is gone, all right, for this morning. This stuff's fantastic, folks. I'm just scratching the top with you, so spend some time. Again, there is more information about creation and Psalms and Isaiah and Job than there ever is in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I'd spend time over in Job. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the folks, for their patience, for the look into this issues here of, of uh, your plan and how it got started in the very beginning. And Lord, I just hope that as we go through this, we'll see our position and our play in it as we begin to talk about the heavens and your eternal purpose in us in those positions. I thank you for the folks here, for the folks online that are listening, and that in everything that we say and do in our day-to-day -day lives, we'll be honoring and glorifying to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. I would ask if there's any questions.